Father God, thank you for allowing us to gather here today in the way that we are, and thank you for the way that you have been working through prayers, through the medical community, through so many. It is great to see friends again in person, several, both services today, who haven't been in this building for more than a year. We pray that you'd give us wisdom as a church in knowing how to move forward safely and appropriately. We pray for our leaders here in the state of Massachusetts and our local communities as we think through how businesses reopen and uh, what kind of contact we have and where we protect each other's boundaries so that we feel safe. I pray that you'd give us that same kind of spirit and love to be able to walk forward even though we may have different comfort zones and our consciences may lead us to different practices about mask wearing or social distance. Allow us to uphold everybody's rights to protect themselves and, and to be smart about all this. God, thank you for your faithfulness. We've sung songs that remind us of your tremendous blessings and your, your promises that you keep. And we're so grateful that you are a God who makes promises, not with the fear that you won't keep them, but with the knowledge that you will and how much we have been blessed by that. Lord, we pray for those who are still carrying the burdens of so much isolation the damage that's been done in so many ways. We pray for healing, return of hope, a, a restoration of uh, just the, the ability to trust again and to come back into the fullness of life. Lord, we, we lift up Marge and we ask that you would grant strength to her body step by step, day by day. We ask that you would surround Nancy with your great love when times get difficult and when days are awful, you allow her to focus on you and your blessings. Lord, you know the other silent requests that many carry into this room today of marriages that are struggling, of, of people who are, who are suffering from isolation, of, of, of those who are just depressed and weary from this time. I pray that through what we do together, through our personal encouragement, through our singing of praise songs to you, through our focus on biblical truth, that you will bring healing into lives around us in powerful, powerful ways. Now guide us through this time as we look into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. When did you first learn about Memorial Day? What should we teach our children about Memorial Day and how we keep it, how we hold it, how we practice it. Those are some of the thoughts that are running through my mind at this point in time. My first memory of Memorial Day, at least that I can recall, goes back to a time when I was about 10 years old. My parents had urged all the kids in our family to play a musical instrument. So because our family had my sister Joan's clarinet that she had stopped playing, I was given the clarinet and I played that for a year and I was terrible and I hated it. I hated every day of it. I hated every lesson. I hated every little squawk that came out of that clarinet. But the next year I used my own paper root money and I bought myself a trombone. And I played an instrument that I wanted to play and that I was motivated to play. And I played this thing for years. I played in a jazz band for a couple of years when I was in high school, and it was a lot of fun. But my first, no, I'm not going to play it. First, I can't hold it because of my broken hand. And second, I haven't played it in 40 years, so it would be terrible anyway. But I have it, and I keep it because it reminds me of those days. But the first experience that I had with the trombone came long before I ever had a lesson or learned to play it. I had just 
bought my, my trombone. I saw an ad in the Patriot Ledger for a used trombone. I have no idea how many years this thing was old then, but I'm old now, and, and to think that I've had this thing for more than 50 years is amazing. And a friend of mine who had a lot of music in his life, who was the same age, said, hey, would you like to march in the parade on Memorial, Memorial Day? And I said, but I don't even know how to play the instrument. He said, it doesn't matter. There's a marching band that's going to be in the Quincy Parade, and they're looking for more people to fill out the band. But I said, I haven't had a lesson. I don't even know how to play a note. He said, just fake it. They're just looking for people to fill it out and make the band look bigger. And I said, I don't know. That sounds kind of dumb. And then he says, it pays 10 bucks. And I said, I'm in. And my first experience with the trombone was marching in the Quincy Parade, faking that I knew how to play the trombone. And I took that $10. Now, that was May of 1969, and I can still remember in that parade seeing veterans of World War I and World War II and the Korean War, and there were a few from Vietnam who had just come home. And that was the first time I began to wonder what Memorial Day was all about and why people take time to march and to remember or why they still stand before sometimes graveyards or uh, markers in city parks and they listen to speeches and they listen to high school bands and, and all that stuff as, as the names are read from all of those from a given town who have died in all of these wars. This morning, we're finishing our Oh, How I Love Jesus series that we've been in now for eight weeks. And in this series, we've been looking at snapshots of people who were moved to express their love and appreciation toward Jesus. And to cap this off, we're going to look at a statement that comes from Jesus directly that I refer to as the greater love principle. So this morning's message is titled, No Greater Love, which comes from the words of Jesus in John 15, 13. So welcome back to North River Church on this Memorial Day weekend. We're glad that you're here. For some of you who may never have been with us here, we're, we're, we're just delighted you're here today. For those of you who haven't been here for a long time, I'm so glad that you're here today. My question is, why did Jesus talk about this greater love, and what does he want us to know about it? So I'm presenting this, first of all, the kind of the bottom layer of the foundation that I'm building is that we're going to call this the greater love principle. It comes from John 15, 13, where Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. The primary verse that we're looking at is one singular verse, and it's that verse, John 15, 13, where Jesus spoke these words during the, the final evening that he spent with the original 12 disciples. The context of this verse tells us that the Passover festival was near, and knowing that the cross would interrupt any normal celebration of Passover that year for Jesus and his entourage, Jesus and his closest disciples decided to celebrate early. This was the night when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. This was the night when he washed the disciples' feet and acknowledged that Judas would betray him, and when he told Peter that before the rooster crowed in the morning, he would deny even knowing him three times. It is in that context that Jesus delivers this amazing call to greater love. So just to be clear, what is the greater love according to Jesus? Very simple. It's to lay down one's life for your friends. 
So Jesus was saying that the highest form of love that we are capable of giving or knowing or receiving is sacrificial love. Specifically, the kind of sacrificial love that is willing to die for someone else. Now here's what I find fascinating about Jesus. Jesus had that kind of love. And he demonstrated that kind of love all throughout the years of his ministry. He came into this world. He took on human flesh. He was motivated by that love. Yet, the fullness of that love was not on display until he went to the cross. See, he knew his mission. He knew why he had come. He knew that everything that he did and said was wrapped up in the goal of expressing that kind of sacrificial love that, will find, that would find its fulfillment on the day that he allowed himself to be nailed to that cross. But he was living it out all the way through, even though nobody else knew that was the kind of love that he had yet. That's the foundation. Now here's the second thought. Jesus calls us to a greater love way of life. If we go back just one verse in order to get the context, John 15, 13 is the primary verse. We're going to go back and look at verse 12 and 13 together. Here he says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for his friends. So when we scroll back just one verse, we see that greater love is tied to something that Jesus calls my command. My command. That's an interesting term. We don't often take commands from people today. A command is a direct order from someone who is in a place of authority over us. So here is one of those rare times when Jesus delivers a command to his followers. He first issues this command two chapters earlier in John 13. There he said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So John lists these statements from Jesus in the gospel that he writes. And then later on, the same John, as he writes a letter to early church Christians that we call 1 John towards the end of the New Testament, includes this new command three times. 1 John 2.7, 1 John 2.8, 1 John 2.15. So three times in the same chapter, John repeats this new command to love one another as Christ has loved us. Now, you and I, if you've been around here for long, we've seen this before. When Jesus or the Bible writers repeat themselves, we come to know that they are drawing our attention to something that is very, very important. So this is what we must conclude about this new commandment from Jesus that is spoken of twice by Jesus, three times by John, five times in the New Testament. The way that we love each other is extremely important to Jesus. The command to love each other is not optional equipment for Christians. It's part of the essence. It's part of the, the heartbeat of what makes it real, what makes it alive for us. It's essential. We are to be known for the quality and depth of our love for each other. And other people will know we belong to Jesus when they see this kind of radical love. Let me dare say the opposite. 
when they see the absence of that kind of love, they will question whether we belong to Jesus, and maybe we should too. Okay, so the first level of this foundation that I'm building is built on the greater love principle that Jesus states in John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for one's friend. The second level of this foundation is Jesus calls us to a greater love way of life. It's not just locked in the past. It's not just about him. He brings us into it. Here's the third level. Friends of Jesus live by the greater love principle. Now, where do we find that? We take that verse again and now move forward one verse to verse 14. This is the way it reads with these two verses together. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. And now he says, you are my friends if you do what I command. Wow. So here Jesus takes this to a higher level. He spells out the greater love principle. And then he adds, you are my friends if you do what I command. So there are two parts to this friendship as John is laying out the words of Jesus here. First, that Jesus lays down his life for his friends. And second, everyone who follows this way of life is a friend of Jesus and demonstrates that they are a friend of Jesus. This is is an above and beyond kind of love and friendship that's being described here. It starts with the love and friendship of Jesus who died for us. It continues through a decision to live with this same attitude toward others. It flourishes as the world sees this kind of love in us. And if we go back to John 13, the first time Jesus talked about the new command, as the world sees that same desire to put the needs and welfare of others ahead of our own, we are recognized as friends of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Now, let's let's back down for a minute. The gospel is not saying that you and I cannot be friends of Jesus, and he doesn't consider ourselves friends, if we don't understand this little piece of gospel theology. He is our friend. He is your friend. But he calls us into higher levels of friends. Don't you have some friends who are just kind of friends? And then you have friends, right? where there's that deeper level of friendship that you know you can count on somebody through thick and thin and the the person who will come through for you at, at any time if you're in trouble. Jesus is calling us to deeper levels of friendship and we express this greater sense and experience of friendship with Jesus as we climb to the higher levels of emulating the way that he lived and making his values our values. So here's the big idea that I was working on this this week as I was working through this passage. Friends of Jesus live with the greater love that he showed by putting the welfare of others ahead of their own. Uh, I like that thought. Friends of Jesus live with the greater love that he lived with and showed. We do that by putting the welfare, the needs, the cares of others ahead of our own cares. And we're capable of doing that. But while I was working on that concept this week, I actually had to take it up a notch through a lesson that I was taught by a guy who I'm pretty sure is not a believer in Christ. Let me tell you the story of what happened. There was a guy who'd come to our house and he was doing lawnmower repair at our home. Knowing that I had met this man through a recommendation from my good friend Tom Harrison, 
I mentioned that I had been with Tom that morning, and Tom says hello. And in, in the course of the conversation, this man added in, oh, you, that's right, you know Tom too. And then you must know this other guy that I do work for, John Dehan. And he said it like that, John Dehan, who's been a longtime friend here at North River. And it turns out there are others. He does work for Chuck, Dil Chuck Dillon, and he's done work for a few other people. And I said, yeah, we're all longtime friends. And he got real quiet, and he said, you're all connected in that church, aren't you? I said, yep. We go way back. And then he said, I don't have friends like that. And this little light went off in my head, and I thought, you're right. How could you? How could you, with ex without experiencing what, what we experience around here, the deeper our lives get woven into each other, uh, the, the, the more that, that we lean on each other and we grow together. He has no idea of what we've been missing the last year. It, it's such a big part of, of why this has been hard for many Christians to go through this time. I haven't seen some of your faces in a year, didn't know that you had smiles, that you're capable of giving. There are new people to our church who've been here for months who have never seen without a mask. Do you realize that? There are many who've stayed home and some who are watching today who are still not feeling safe enough to come back into a gathering like this. And they're missing the fellowship and the richness. There is something that happens when we are face-to-face -face more than just meeting online in other ways, which are all good. But there's the bond that comes when you're with a friend and you're able to express that in a different way. So I looked at him and I, I made this simple response. I said, we can help you with that. <laughs> and he didn't know what to say. He rolled down his window and he, you know, he, he drove away. But I wonder what he's thinking about that. And I had to rewrite the big idea for this morning based on that conversation. When we live out the greater love principle, by putting the needs and welfare of others first, the world notices that we belong to Jesus. You see, my friend didn't have the words for it, but this is what he was noticing. He was saying, wow, there's something about you, there's something about Tom Harrison, there's something about John Dean. You all have something that I don't have. And the single thing that is the linchpin that ties that all together is the love of Jesus Christ that gets expressed to us and that flows from us to other people and that gets shared to us when we are together and we are in this give and take relationship which is part of what worship is all about. We don't come here just as isolated, disconnected people. We are connected by the heartbeat of Jesus that we see in John 15, 13, by the greater love principle. And the more that we dare to live that out and to take that to greater and greater levels, to greater and greater risks, some even giving their lives for that purpose, there's something that marks us as belonging to Jesus. And people of the world, when they see it and realize they don't have it, recognize that that has to come from Jesus. Let me take this to one final level. It has to do with Memorial Day. We honor those who have fulfilled the greater love principle on days like this. 
So again, we come back to John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for his friends. President Obama once said, our nation owes a debt to its fallen heroes that we can never fully repay. I'm not sure that he ever spoke truer words than those. So we honor those who have died in service to freedom, in service to our country, or to protect others from harm. And I'd like to have us just remember for a moment two people who are connected to North River in some way who have died since the years that we started North River in the cause of serving our country. The first that I'm going to mention is Sergeant Robert Barrett from Fall River. Now, this is Robert. He was not a member of North River, but uh, as a younger man, he was dating Alyssa Barasevich, who was with us here this morning. Robert died on April 19, 2010. He died near Kabul, Afghanistan, from injuries due to an improvised explosive device. The harder story is that a suicide bomber wrapped in explosives came up and got closest, close enough to him and pushed the button. And that's the way he died. And it wrecked Alyssa's life. And Alyssa's here this morning. She watched the first service and said, I've got to come to this one. I'm glad you did. What I didn't know until yesterday, though, there was a connection between these two people, because Robert was part of the honor guard at the funeral that we had here for Matthew Bean, second person we're going to talk about. Private Matthew Bean was from Pembroke. His mother, Dana and Cheryl, members here of North River for a long, long time, great friends. And Matthew grew up here at North River. Many of us knew him in those years, went to Silver Lake High School. And Matthew was shot on May 19th, 2007, died 12 days later on May 31st after receiving wounds from a sniper as they were looking for a, another lost soldier from Massachusetts. Dana agreed to come and let me interview him a little bit. Would you welcome Dana? On. Good. There you go. So, Dana, we, we talked about a couple of questions as we were talking. Um, I, feel, I just have to tell you, I feel connected to Dana because there was just a deep friendship that got bonded between the two of us going through that experience as I walked alongside your family. So the question I wanted to ask, here we are 14 years later, after Matthew's passing, uh, and the question I asked you yesterday was, what have you learned through this? Um, First of all, like I said, first service, uh, your message this morning taught me something that I really never gave much thought to. I knew that my son was a Christian, um, but I speak to guys he served with uh, almost every single day of my life, and they all knew he was a Christian. And, you know, in that world, I don't see that he was very outspoken about it. And, I never really thought to consider how did they know that about him. And if I reflect on the type of young man that he was, he definitely led, out, um, led the greater love principle type of life. It, it was recognized by folks in every generation around him. His teachers talked about it and folks he did volunteer work for, um, his peers, other kids that looked up to him. He, he, he led that life that we've been that you've been telling us about this morning. 
So that, that's a big light bulb for me today. That's cool. That's cool. The other thing I wanted to ask that we, we spent quite a bit talking about was uh, to let people in on what has God done with you and Cheryl in the 14 years since Matthew died? Because there are doors that have opened that I've just been amazed as I've watched from the sidelines at, at how God has given you this boldness and ministry doors have opened up. I don't think that we uh, intentionally set out to, to do anything in particular, but we certainly have had the opportunities to talk about God and, and our relationship with Christ. Uh, when we meet other Gold Star families or when we speak with some of Matthew's friends or, you know, the, the folks that he they keep in touch with us that are still in the service. So I, I think that we're more conscientious of sharing his faith and the assurance that we have that we'll see him again when uh, we speak to those, those people as the opportunity arises. One of the things that um, Dana has invested himself in is Dana is one of the leaders along with Joan Richards of our grief share ministry that we have here at North River. And so he's been able to take the, the pain of that loss and turn that into ministry. And, and uh, we keep all that private, what happens in those gatherings, but there's a lot of depth of sharing and, and uh, you've poured that energy into that. Yeah, I, I mean, we, right out of the gate, we learn <laughs> stuff that a lot of us know, but we, we learn to realize that God comes close to the brokenhearted, like it says in Psalms, and, that, and that's true. <laughs> but <clears throat> being part of that allows us to share um, the hope of our relationship with God. And, uh, <laughs> excuse me. The fact that I know that I'm going to see my, my son again. Changes everything. So one of the things that I have admired is that Dana and Cheryl have made it a point to minister to Gold Star families, show up at the funerals when there are other soldiers who die, and to build friendships with, with some of these parents and family members. And you've been a, a witness of God's love and God's grace and allowed your pain to be on display so that you can minister to the hearts of others. And uh, I just want to say, you know, I commend that. I love it. I love that you guys have, have made that a way of life. Well, I guess I have to um, admit that I'm in awe of uh, the fact that my son did a better job <laughs> in 22 years than I have in 60. So, you know, I have to honor um, Christ in his life and, uh, and his death. Well, thank you, Dana. Appreciate that. You know, appreciate your willingness. Well, let's pray. We'll pause for a moment and remember.
give thanks to God, and then we'll sing one final song. Father, as we stop and pause, thank you for the lives of these two young men that we've talked about here today. Thank you for giving them that kind of love that protects and that gives in extravagant ways. We pray for Alyssa and her family and for Dana and Cheryl and their family and others like them. We pray that you will continue to heal what can be healed even though they will always carry these memories, will always carry this sense of loss. But thank you that you give them strength to bear up and you allow them to carry that burden differently over time with more love and grace and acceptance. Thank you for giving us a nation where there are many people who rise up at the right time to do the right thing, the costly thing. We pray that you will honor them. Give us all hearts like Jesus to love extravagantly and sacrificially like he did. So we thank you for these memories. We thank you for these, these truths and this one very simple but powerful principle in the gospel. Help us where you call to live it out. In Jesus' name, amen.